nothing is set in stone. I've had plenty of people who start off one way and then they realize as life goes on and the numbers change, they need to kind of switch how they're paying off their loans as well. Welcome back to That That Life. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about the financial challenges facing veterinary students and new grads with Dr. Grace Kim, a veterinarian and financial coach. While vet school prepares us for practicing medicine, we are often left out in the dark when it comes to managing our student loans or even knowing who to go to when we have questions related to finances. In this episode, Grace and I talk about financial wellness and what it means in relation to handling student loan debt. Even though I'm not a new grad vet anymore, this episode was packed with helpful information that I will use in my financial journey. So let's jump into it. All right. Well, Grace, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I think this is going to be a very valuable episode for the new grads, just also from my own standpoint being now three years out. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the financial side, like vet school doesn't necessarily prepare you for that, which is why I'm so thankful for veterinarians like yourself who have kind of walked this road and said, you know what, I see the need, I can fill that need and how can I give back to the community? So thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, yes. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for reaching out. And I am super excited to talk about this topic. So before we fully dive into today's topic, I want to provide you with a little bit of space to tell us about who you are, what you're doing, and kind of your why behind what you're doing. Sure, of course. So my name is Dr. Grace Kim. I graduated vet school quite a while ago, but I still remember very clearly having the student loan debt, feeling completely illiterate when it comes to finances. And it was really much later on. It was actually once we had bought our first house together and then we started having the kiddos where I was really like, I'm not understanding what is going on with our money and realizing how important it was to just get on top of just the budgeting and learning about retirement accounts and things like that. Topics that I actively avoided for a long time. But when push came to shove, it was like, okay, I need to get on top of this. And in addition, that actually coincided at the same time that the Merck Veterinary Wellbeing Study came out. And I was seeing how the newer grads were dealing with the same issues, but then there were just additional challenges, such as the student loan debt being so much higher now than it was when I graduated. I felt like this was a space where I could speak because I went through that and I happened to actually enjoy learning more about personal finance, so much so that I started blogging about it and then eventually attaining my accredited financial counselor designation so that I could effectively coach other people, specifically those in the veterinary profession, about this topic because it was heartbreaking to see how much stress there was at the beginning of one's career. And additionally, I felt like there were so many people out there, the financial professionals who were helping certain groups of people, but leaving out others. And I felt like veterinarians as a whole were getting left out of the conversation. So I was like, you know what? I don't really see anyone else out there addressing personal finance as a whole. There was a lot of talk about maybe just student loans or maybe just getting out of debt, but there's so much more to our finances outside of that. So that was really what I wanted to address. And 
And yeah, so I'm at a space right now where I am doing the coaching. I've partnered up with MentorVet, which I believe you've had yes. um, MentorVet founder, Dr. Addie Reinhardt on uh, previously. So it's been so great working with that organization as well. Well, that is really cool. And like I said, it's just really nice to have someone who's a veterinarian who's been through the rim rolls of being a new grad and dealing with the finances. And now, of course, for you at your stage, like going through like starting a family and dealing with finances and being a veterinarian and student loans. And now you've got that accreditation behind you. So just like we do in veterinary medicine, we're always looking for ways that we can learn as much as we can to then give back to the community. So on today's episode, we're really going to focus on the topic of like, what are the financial questions and financial decisions that the new grads are having to make? And coming from my own like aspect of being in that stage, I have the questions that are in my mind, but I'm really curious from your perspective, what are the questions that people like myself should be asking, but we maybe just don't know enough to ask? So that's what I'm sure. going to be really interested to find out more about. So we'll start off today by asking the big question that I feel like everyone always has right on their mind <laughs> about student loans. The big uh, scary yeah. <laughs> that everyone is like, I have 200, 300,000 plus in student loans. That blows my mind that that is yes. somewhat of an average. Granted, some are more, some are less, but like that is a lot of money to be hanging over your head as you're starting out in practice. And to one degree, we are, we're in a very, cushy state in the veterinary med medical profession where there are plenty of jobs available. So it's not yes. hard for new grads to find a job that is well-paying. However, we know that disparity between how much is owed and how much you earn, plus how much you have to pay for the rest of living, doesn't exactly like level out. So right. when students are coming to you or new grads are coming to you with this big question of, oh my gosh, I have a lot of student loans. I don't know where to start even. Like, What is the first thing you want them to ask themselves or consider or a resource to look at? Right. Well, it is such a big topic and it, it does break my heart to see how this has become such a huge issue, not just in veterinary medicine, but other professional programs as well. They're all, you know, you're looking at dentistry and medicine and pharmacy I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, the situation we're all in. There's so many ways in which it could be improved in terms of, you know, trying to lower tuition costs. And in terms of like how much people can borrow, as long as you are a student, you could basically borrow as much as you need is the way it's currently set up right oh now. Goodness. So there isn't really any incentive for the borrower to necessarily try to lessen the amount that they're borrowing as well. So it's just an easy way to get extra money, right, while you're in school. And obviously, we all need that to cover not just the tuition, the high tuition, but our living costs. So even from the very beginning, I feel like the cards are stacked against the borrowers. You know, we're having these young people who have typically very little experience with money, with borrowing money, all of a sudden having access to a whole lot of money all at once. So I feel like the education, I mean, ideally it would start way before vet school, <laughs> but we're not all quite there yet. And, you know, 
the thing I want to focus is like, okay, wherever you are right now, that's where we're just going to start. You know, we can't really change what happened leading up to this. There's really nothing good that comes out of because I see a lot of people sort of kicking themselves and being like, oh, if only I had known or I wish, you know, they, they're just wishing things had been different. And it's like, you know, we're in a space right now, you invested in your education. It's allowing you this opportunity to make money as a veterinarian, which, as you said, in this point in time, at least the salaries are higher. So you know, let's just go ahead and just, as long as we have a plan going forward, I think that's what really helps a lot of people. It's the unknown that's the most stressful, not necessarily the amount. It's what people are trying to decide to do when it comes to their student loans. So I always like to go with, okay, let's just start with your debt to income ratio. Just looking at that alone will help you decide whether you want to go more towards the side of, I would like to pay this off sooner rather than later, or maybe I need to explore one of the income-driven repayment plans, which will make the monthly payments more affordable. And to understand whichever way you choose, it's your situation. You cannot compare yourself to everyone else. You know, you'll see other people on social media saying, hey, I paid off X amount in X number of years. And to even if they give you some numbers to back up how they did it, we don't know exactly all of the background or all the information that they're not sharing that enabled them to do that. So you really have to just look at your own budget, your own situation, your own numbers to really determine, is it if I am motivated to pay this off faster, is it even feasible to do so? And, you know, there are calculators out there that can show you that. And if it looks like you are more in the camp of, you know, like I would love to, but the numbers just are not working out in my favor, We do have those income-driven repayment plans, and I'm speaking specifically if you have federal student loans. So those are the ones that have these income-driven repayment plans. That's not a, you know, that's not like the less than option. You know, it's a great option for a lot of people because it does allow you those more affordable monthly payments, and that gives you more cash flow to do other things with your money as well. And They design those plans specifically for people who have high debt to income ratios. So that's where I like to start people. You know, basically, if you look at your income and the debt, if the ratio is one to one or less, typically for most people, you could afford to pay that off in full and you could, you know, accelerate that payment timeframe if you wanted to. If you're in that two to one debt to income ratio, Typically, the income-driven repayment plans will work in your favor, mathematically speaking. And then that one to two, like that sort of, I call it the gray zone. I mean, you really could go in either direction, again, depending on your own personal situation. If you have the extra money to pay towards the debt, then yeah, you could. If you want to live super, super lean, uh, yeah, you could make it happen. But you're not wrong for going the other direction as well. So, yeah, it really does come down to don't be scared of your numbers. Actually, they're going to help you make this really important decision going forward as to sort of the strategy you want to go. And 
nothing is set in stone. I've had plenty of people who start off one way and then they realize as life goes on and the numbers change, they need to kind of switch how they're paying off their loans as well. So you do not have to get it perfect, you know, out of the gate, you know, you choose what's best for you at this moment. And, you know, you don't have to feel like you're completely locked in. Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at Venex. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession. Much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our Vetex community. The Thrive community is a race accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, visit vetxinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. I think that's a really big one that I, I hadn't fully thought about was like, okay, you can switch up your repayment plan as life changes, as you say, get married, as you have a kid, as you change jobs, as you get a side hustle, like all these different things will impact it and then how fast you're able to pay it off. And the other thing that I heard from that was talking about what's your quality of life during all of this? Because yes, you could have this plan where you're going to pay it off in like seven years and that's going to be it. You're just going to have to live on dirt and live out of your van. type of scenario. (laughs) But is that actually good for you in the long term? Or is it going to turn into resentment for your relationships, resentment for your job? Like those are also things that we need to be considering. So how do you talk to new grads or early career to mid-career veterinarians about balancing that quality of life with managing their finances? Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up because that is huge. The quality of life piece, which I feel like can get left out of these financial conversations where people sometimes want to focus only on the numbers. So I am a huge, I think one of my core values is balance, just having balance across the board. And for me, you know, that looks like a good balance between just things I do on the personal side, things I do on the work side. And so that balance is going to look different for different people. I always like to go towards what is that particular person? Like where's sort of their balance point? Because I've had clients who are very, very determined to pay off their debt. And even when I show them the numbers, they, uh, and say, Hey, I think actually you'll, it'll be a little bit better if you're not trying so aggressively, because I feel like you're just going to, This could potentially lead to burnout if you keep going down this path, but they're still totally into it, right? (laughs) So at that point, that's that's a sign to me that, hey, they're they're just in that mindset. I can give them some suggestions, but I'm not going to be the person that's going to keep telling them that they're wrong, you know? I like to give that individual their, you know, they have their own motivations. And so 
it really is dependent on the person. <laughs> uh, personal finance is personal, right? But I do definitely stress like, hey, you know, if we do keep going down this road, I want you to understand that there are certain things that you may have to sacrifice along the way. You just have to be okay with that. And as long as they understand that they're willing to do that, then I say, okay, all right, then best of luck. And don't feel bad if you feel like this is getting too hard. You know, let's talk about this again. You can always, again, like I said earlier, you can always switch course and, and pull back a little bit. Because if you are, you know, killing yourself to like pay this thing off in five years, you know, I'm a big fan of like, why not just stretch it out to seven years and make it a little bit more doable that way. So, you know, I don't see too many vets going down that road. I actually see a lot of the newer grads going more towards the balance of, I want to be able to buy a house. I want to start a family. I want to have a little bit extra to go travel and, and see family. And for that, Again, we have options when it comes to student loan repayment that you can do that as well. It requires a different kind of planning going forward, but that is at least an option. Again, it's really interesting that like how you can change your route as you go down through life. And like, again, that big thing of like, oh my gosh, to be able to buy a house. Yeah. Ah, like you grow <laughs> up thinking like, oh yeah, people just buy a house. That's what happens. And then you get into this stage of life where I am and I'm like, oh my gosh, to buy a house, at least, at least like in this current market, in the current area that I live. No, like there's no way at this point in my life. <laughs> so trying to figure that out is incredibly difficult and um, trying to do it on my own is even harder. So like when should people consider like talking to someone like you or when should they consider having a financial advisor? Like some people can do this on their own, but others like we just can't. Right. Well, you know, it's so interesting because back before I started going down this road and I felt like we needed a financial advisor, I remember having this conversation with my husband and being like, how do we find one? Because I don't personally know any, I don't even know how to go about looking for one. And he's like, well, you realize how they typically charge their clients. And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> and he said, well, typically what happens is they take over some investments for you and then they get a percentage of those investments. And I was like, that is just like an odd way to charge for one's services. <laughs> it was to me, it felt like a completely foreign way to conduct business, but apparently that's traditionally how a lot of financial advisors, how they run their business is it's called assets under management. So they'll go ahead and start managing some of your investments for you. And then the typical number is 1% of whatever that number is. So at the time I was like, well, why can't I just go to someone just like you would go to a vet if you have a pet that you want to be seen and you want like professional advice on how to treat that pet, like, can't we go to someone where it's just like an exam fee? Right? Like, you just go. <laughs> like that to me seems much more straightforward. And he's like, I don't think you can find anyone like that. And I was like, well, You're that's, like, that's what I need. I know that's what I need. So what I learned over the years is financial advisors or financial planners can come in many different shapes and sizes and colors. And so it depends on what you're looking for from them. So if we take that person who's like, I just need financial advice, 
unfortunately, there aren't a ton of people they can contact because most of the financial advisors and planners out there do work under either that assets under management, which I'm not saying that's a wrong way to do it, but that's one model that they have. Other ones, they do like a comprehensive financial plan, which tends to, it can get pretty pricey when you go down that road because they're doing a lot for you. They're looking at all aspects of your finances and coming up with like a really, really full comprehensive financial plan for you. I would say for most new grads, if your finances are relatively simple, you don't necessarily need like the works when it comes to that. And then a lot of people, they will go to those who sell products to help them with their finances. So whether they're selling insurance, like disability insurance, life insurance, and those sorts of products, a lot of those financial professionals will also build themselves as financial advisors or financial planners as well. So you have to, unfortunately, from the consumer's perspective, like it can be kind of difficult to find that person that's like, hey, like I would like to just come to you and I just need some, just some advice. Like just give me like an hour of your time. (laughs) I just need some advice on where to go from here. So I would say, and actually that's where I'm trying to come in a little bit is to be like that in-between person of like, you don't need like the full workup, but like if you just need sort of that intro, like I'm more than happy to to talk to you, whether it's for just like a quick little session or something a little more in depth. So when you're at a point where you are trying to make some big decisions, I would say that you can either come to someone like a financial coach, that's the, the title that I have, or you can also contact a certified financial planner. So those are the individuals who do more of that comprehensive planning that I was talking about before. And if that's something that you're looking for, you know, they offer those suite of services as well. That's really helpful, at least from my aspect. So I was like, I don't even know who to talk to. I don't know where to look. I don't know what to Google. I know. It's hard, right? (laughs) That's like the biggest thing is like, where do I even start? Who do I talk to? What like, what do I put in your Google? Like veterinary financial coach. Like it's not something that you know to look for. They don't teach you about in vet school. So yeah, it's very strange because usually you'll do something like that and it'll be someone who has like a full suite of services where you're like, gosh, I don't know if I need all this or it'll be like an insurance agent so unfortunately that's the way it's been set up for a while but the industry is changing where there are individuals that are trying to fill in the gaps a little bit more (laughs) as well and I feel like part of filling in those gaps is very similar to veterinary medicine is just like helping to teach financial literacy kind of like in veterinary medicine it's teaching health literacy what type of doctors are out there where to go if you have this kind of problem So in veterinary financial literacy, granted, part of this, like you said in the very beginning, like should be happening in vet school or before vet school yes, and kind of trying to teach students the normal living aspects of uh, financial literacy. But granted, like like you said, again, um, we have to start where you are. So for people who are maybe they're in their final year of vet school, maybe they're just starting out in practice. What are the resources they can go to to learn more about this financial literacy so that they know what questions to even ask in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was um, through my blog. I was trying to answer at least a lot of the common questions at richerlifedvm.com. And um, I personally love using books as resources. I'm a big 
book reader. If you're not a big book reader, I think even just the audiobook version is really nice because there are some book resources out there that are, they're not long, you know, they're pretty short. And for me, at least, and probably for many of your listeners, if you're more of an audio, uh, you know, learner, it just brings a different aspect to the learning. So I try to compile a list of those sorts of resources on my website. So people are more than welcome to check that out. Absolutely. And so I feel like that's the perfect segue into telling us a little bit more about Richer Life DVM and what people can find there. So let's go ahead and share those resources. Yeah, sure. Yep. So like I said, initially, I started my blog, I just, it was anonymous first, because I am not like a, you know, I don't put myself on a social media ton. I'm not like a video person per se. But yeah, I put up a bunch of blog posts on there on sort of basic financial literacy topics. I have a list of uh, resources like book resources and websites and, you know, student loan advice. If you needed more specific student loan advice, I have some resources there as well. And yeah, I just wanted it to be a place where you could go onto the website as a veterinary professional. And if there was a specific personal finance topic that you needed a little bit more information about, that information would be readily accessible. And I went through your website already earlier and I was like, wow, there are a ton of good resources here. Again, from the blog posts, I actually just started to go down a rabbit hole. I was like, how long have oh. I been here um, with reading yeah. them all? <laughs> and then, of course, like the book references that are there. So I really encourage veterinary students, new grads, even people who are in their like been out in practice for a few more years, like go and check out the website. You'll definitely find something that is useful no matter what stage you are in your financial journey. So I highly recommend. And you said that was RicherLifeDVM.com? Yes, correct. Perfect. And where else can people find you? I am at RicherLifeDVM on social media. You can reach me directly through email, grace at RicherLifeDVM.com. Well, that's perfect. And again, I want you guys to go and say hi. She is such a friendly human, definitely there, wants to help the community. With that, I will say, Grace, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And I feel like there's a lot of great content coming from you in the future. And um, hopefully we get some students that are like, hey, I actually need I need help. And they come and reach out to you. (laughs) Feel free to reach out. I love meeting everyone and answering questions. So yeah. Uh, feel free to reach out to me at any time. All right. And so with that, you guys, we'll say see you next week. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also leaving a review of the show on iTunes, we greatly appreciate it because again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Bet Life.